Welcome to While Doing Laundry, a podcast for parents with mountains of laundry and a heart for change. I'm your host, Emily Edwards, and I'll be your guide on this weekly ethical exploration of parenthood. I'm a nurse, a mom, and a fierce advocate for choice. When I became a parent, I quickly realized I had overestimated how much I knew about anything that actually mattered and underestimated the sheer volume of laundry I would have to deal with. So if you're anything like me, I'm ready to challenge those old beliefs, learn new ways to view the world, and finally feel like you're embracing the massive, messy transformation that is parenthood, don't go anywhere. Grab your laundry basket and some earbuds, and let's get started listening to this week's episode. Welcome back to While Doing Laundry. This week's episode is going to be a little bit different in that I have a guest to interview. I am so, so excited to welcome Cheyenne Scarlett to the podcast. She is a researcher, an educator, and an advocate. And her background is in education, or her educational background is in child development. And she has a particular interest on how childbirth affects the mental health of parents and in turn their relationships with their children. So you can see for obvious reasons why Cheyenne is a perfect guest for While Doing Laundry. This is an ethical exploration of parenthood. And thus far we have focused on that birth experience because again, I know for me, it was where my eyes were opened to a lot of realities and really started my journey on discovering more. So in addition to this interest, she has her master's thesis and she conducted a research project on childbirth experiences of black women in the GTA and has since been advocating for better perinatal healthcare on social media. Cheyenne is a trained childbirth educator and doula, and she works with both parents and healthcare providers to improve birth for all people. Again, um, it is an obvious reason why this conversation has to be had. Um, she's also a mother of two biological children. She has one stepchild and is currently expecting again. So it's been almost a year, I would say, since our first introduction. So I am really, really honored to welcome Cheyenne. And thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. And uh, please introduce yourself to uh, the listeners and share a little bit about yourself that the you know the quote unquote formal bio doesn't doesn't share with us yeah thanks so much for having me i'm excited and always happy to be talking to you um yeah my name is Cheyenne scarlett um i feel like my bio says a lot of things <laughs> um i don't know that's okay. I don't know what else to say about myself. <laughs> that is okay. And the 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 funny thing is, is anytime I'm on a podcast or I've had like a live, I'm always like, wow, that intro they just gave me. Like, that's why I show up to these. Like, I feel really good after that. <laughs> but, no, for all jokes aside, um, like I said to you just before we got recording this, that really, um, I want to pick your brain. I want to figure out what you've been up to and all about um, this new journal in particular that you are releasing soon, but we'll get to that shortly. That is um, really going to be the main focus of this interview and this chat. But like I said, throughout your your bio, there's obvious reasons that we, we connect, um, but I think there's we've been able to continue the conversation beyond talking just birth work um, strictly when we, you know, that was what brought us together. And over the last year, I would say we've had some pretty random conversations in the DMs. And I certainly can say I've learned a lot in that that time learning from you and growing a, a connection here. And I think one of the the biggest things was realizing the fact that 
we need to continue this conversation with not only those consumers, so the people who are, are pregnant and giving birth, that we both reach or try to reach anyways from a, a business perspective, because you yourself are the founder and owner of Baby Planner. So tell us a little bit more about Baby Planner. Sure, so Baby Planner came about after um, doing my master's research and realizing that there's a lot of gaps, um, some of them being on the part of the healthcare providers and some of them being on the part of the parent. Um, I feel like there's a big, um, just a go with the flow attitude towards birth, which it's good to be flexible. Um, but often when people say go with the flow, that means I'm not going to do any research. I'm not going to, uh, learn anything about birth. I'm just going to show up and see what happens. Um, and I feel like that approach is particularly dangerous. Um, I always use yes, the example yes. of driving a car. Um, you know, if you had never seen anybody drive a car before, would you just get in the car and start driving? No. So many of us haven't seen someone give birth before. Um, and then instead of, you know, doing a little bit of research, understanding what the process of birth is, they're just like, well, I'll just show up and see what happens. Um, and, you know, or when people talk about birth planning, they'll say, well, I don't want to make a plan and then be disappointed. So I'm not going to bother. Um, but it, we do know that making a plan and sort of having an idea of what you want, maybe not even a, a strict rigid plan, but sort of preferences or an outline of what you would like, um, you know, can help you reach that or help you have a, a more positive experience. Um, and using that same car analogy, it would be the same as saying, well, seatbelts don't always work, so I'm not gonna bother putting it on. Um, and obviously we don't say that. So <laughs> I feel like there's, you know, the more things that, uh, yeah, pr pregnant people should be doing, um, and and I wanted to create a space to help them do that, either just by look, reading the things that I have on my website or actually booking a one-on-one -on -one session for birth planning with me. Oh, that's fantastic. And it's true. Like, it's the last, I would say, few weeks of episodes have been focused particularly around birth trauma and what it is. But what it boils down to, again, is that th that exact thing is the attitude that we can go with the flow and that we can put our entire trust into whoever is uh, leading our care and the trick is like most people don't know that they are actually leading their care and from continuing to again follow the education you're providing um, for consumers we'll call those the, our pregnant people are those consumers and understanding the difference it can make getting connected with the right prenatal education and support um, because we know that they're not all made the same and i think um, people like you and i who take the approach of this is a big big complex thing this is not just one simple day um, my examples tend to be uh, related to the hospitality industry i was raised born and raised um, with parents who were caterers for a living my parent my mom was essentially a wedding planner for a very popular banquet hall in the bay of quinney region they owned and operated it so everything from buying groceries and cleaning toilets to again planning those weddings and I learned a lot about customer service and a lot about how you treat people and respecting their choices and offering them choice and supporting them came through, you know, being that little kid who sat at the table in the background listening to her conversations and sometimes taking some ownership and saying, hey, what do you want? I hear a lot, my mom wants this or my mother-in-law wants that, or, you know, we've always done it this way. And my mom was someone who had no problem to challenge a bride head on and say, what is it you want? And we will make it happen. And that is the attitude that I bring into, again, before this was my, my full thing, it was, uh, you know, nursing in general and having that outlook that 
people are allowed to have choice and in investment because they're paying for these services. Um, that's another point. I know we we've chatted in different capacities about the fact that yes, our our healthcare system feels free. Um, we can show up at an appointment or at the ER or wherever and not have to pull out a credit card. Um, but the, at the end of the day, our tax dollars is what fuels that system. And that comes through us contributing, which means we are paying for this stuff. And we really deserve to know about how it works. And uh, your research in particular really did highlight again, those gaps that we're having in the system. But I think more importantly, those things that we can do better the things that we can take action on, um, which is, again, what kind of leads me to this next question or kind of next discussion point of, you know, we've had a lot of conversations as well about birth workers and what this, what our role is um, in this really unique space of support. When you're invited into people's lives, um, when they're growing their families, is an incredibly intimate uh, moment, but it's also an honor. And with that, here comes a ton of responsibility. And I think, again, as I said, we we see things as a big, big complex picture, but um, not enough people are looking at the whole picture um, and how it impacts their own practice. Um, and I'm not just birth workers as in you know doulas or postpartum support, hands-on birth support, but also uh, birth workers who do this for a you know profession as healthcare providers, as perinatal professionals. Um, I think that this type of self-reflection and self-knowing is essential because too many people have no idea how far-reaching um, their impact really is. Um, get across the board. I think in in this conversation, for me at least, I see us all as equals. Um, we're as equal players in this um, this field in terms of birth support. Be it an OB, be it a doula, be it a nurse, be it a lactation consultant, be it whoever, um, a support person, a family member you all have responsibilities because we're all here to support the same person and we need to own those responsibilities. So in comes some some next steps for that. Um, so feel free to just go, go from there. Um, don't necessarily have to share directly about the journal, but about maybe some of the challenges that you saw and those conversations you've been having behind the scenes and what really drove you to say, I want to do something about this and not just in the capacity of supporting those consumers. Like how can I impact the system as a whole? Yeah, so um, as, in, as you mentioned with my bio, um, my background is in, in child development. Um, so there's a lot, of, a lot of things that I think about um, from a preventative measure, when you're thinking about um, working with children, you're like, okay, why am I doing this thing? And it's usually so that they'll like, you know, grow up to be functioning adults. So they, you know, so it's always what, if I do this, what will happen? Um, and that's often how I think of things. Um, so yes, I can um, support um, pregnant people and, and, and parents. Um, but that is just me, you know, saying, here's the tools to protect yourself from the fire without actually putting out said fire, right? Yeah. So I feel like I need to do both things because it doesn't help if I'm just saying, here, protect yourself. And, and at the end of the day, it is not the responsibility of the person giving birth to stand there and like protect themselves and like be exactly. fighting off interventions and things that they don't want. Um, so simultaneously, I have to say, hey, these are the things that could happen to you, but also working with the people that are perpetuating this saying, stop doing this. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's a wraparound uh, prevention and intervention approach. No, I think, again, it's such an effective way to tackle it as well um and the more that i'm the the space i came from prior to um 
birth work full time was dementia care in a institutional setting. So be that um, retirement home, long-term care hospital, um, that was the model that I had to help support people within. And that concept of, again, it is like someone with dementia does not have the capacity or the capabilities of even trying to protect themselves beyond physical measures. And again, that was a lot of what my role was, was to come in and help support the team with these behaviors, which in turn really were protective behaviors against care that was not meeting their needs. And in that model, I was fortunate enough to have some great mentors. I had some very innovative places I worked within who also invested in my education. They invested in me as a nurse and said, hey, it is important that our staff have this next level understanding. And that training included physical, hands-on, practical, tactical things. So when I think of like the birth world, that would be comparing, you know, preparing labor and delivery nurses or doulas with those really good hands-on skills. Like how can we get this person into these positions? How can we promote labor? That's kind of how I viewed those hands-on pieces. But the more important part was the rest of the you know six-hour education that I got and built on was the philosophy of care, the philosophy of personhood, right? Is really understanding that this is who we're here for and then exploring all of the ways that my practice and my beliefs are going to impact that person. Because again, in dementia care, your goal is to not get hit, not get scratched, not, again, I mean, as a, a care provider protecting yourself, but could you imagine, again, doing this model in labor and delivery or in perinatal health where we believe that, again, our role is to only be there to for the betterment and the safety and the well-being of that person. Um, but also all of those people, like you said, the, the team whose responsibility it is to provide really good care is actually prepared to do it. And birth workers are the bridge is the really my, my outlook on it. It's there in that really unique place of being in the gray area between supporting a consumer in a private capacity in many, many cases, um, even if it's a volunteer scenario in a lot of, um, again, if there's a hospital has any sort of free programming, a lot of the time it's still a very kind of personal private thing. Um, and then they also have the understanding or desire to understand what the system's doing. And we need to give these people and who want more and want to do better those tools to do it because right now again we could have a whole episode about why that is lacking and how it is lacking um, but instead we're we're going to keep talking about you know what you're doing to fill that gap um, because we've we've had a pretty tumultuous year overall i would say the last year <laughs> A lot has come to light. Um, there's a few episodes back about the racism within Canadian doula training, for instance, that is leaving our newly trained birth workers unprepared for the realities that they're going to face. And those realities, like I said, include understanding that you have a responsibility to be aware that there are social issues and that and as a birth worker it is your responsibility to start actively dismantling them but again i can tell you by the dms that i have received from people that people don't know where to start people don't know where to go they have a true true need for this learning I have a little helper on the other side of the door trying to open right now. <laughs> Can you hear him jiggling? Um, but they, they feel lost. And I am so, 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 so excited to have a resource to send these people to. Um, because again, as we've discussed many times, my goal in what I offer in the services and support through the Good Birth Company is not to create another white-led organization that takes up space and takes up 
valuable, valuable resources from really important shit, such as understanding ourselves better as birth workers. So I am, like you said, I'm so excited to to learn more about this uh, journal and please just go to town, dive, dive in to, to the journal and please share with everybody, you know, what it is, um, where the concept came from, um, you know, and just share with us why you are so excited for releasing this on uh, July 5th. So this podcast will, this episode will come out after its official release, but hopefully um, people can get in on all of the goodies when they hear this. So please share away. Yeah, so the workbook is called um, My Deep Dive um, uh, Self-Reflective Workbook for Birth Workers. So. It was honestly created out of a place of frustration, um, mostly surrounding the use of inclusive language um, and me saying, hey, we should use inclusive language and everyone being like, no, my word is more important than their word. And I was like, oh, see, good job using there. Um, but it was just like people... Um, a lot of people are fighting against certain things and then don't recognize that they're saying what we're asking for in the same sentence. (laughs) Um, So for example, my um, social handles are um, mother of Scarlet's because I am a mother and our last name is Scarlet and Scarlet's as in the children. And I posted about how I was really frustrated that um, people are feeling offended by using the term um, birthing people, birthing person, rather than mother. And because I, as a Black woman, belong to two groups of people who had to quite literally fight in court to prove that they were a person and should be uh, valued in society and should have rights and should be able to vote. So for, for both black people and women separately to have to do this, it's a bothersome to me that people are saying, how dare you call me a person? Um, and I had people attacking me saying, oh, but your social handle is, is mother. So, and I was like, yeah, cause I am a mother. You can still like separate it. So it was just frustrating to me that people are fighting about something they don't even understand. Um, so I was like, okay, we need to take a moment here and actually think about the things that we're saying and why we're saying them and why we believe the things that we believe and where did that belief come from? And is that true? And do we actually, do we need to evaluate and change this? Um, and there's just so many layers. So there's a lot of things that I feel like come into birth work. Um, so the workbook itself is 10 chapters. Um, and only two of them are actually about birth. Like one is your beliefs about birth and the, uh, the second one is your practice as a birth worker. But all the other eight chapters are about how you live in the world, how you feel about the world, how you learn things about the world. Because I know we were saying earlier that birth is not just one day, right? Uh, but in the context of um you know, how you actually show up on that day. It is only one day because it's that person's whole life experience that now is bigger than that one day. So it's showing up for them uh, with their whole life and and their perception of the world on that day. Um, But because it's, it's everything else that comes into it, we have to know about everything else. We have to know about, you know, how did we receive our education? How did we value or not um, that education? And what is our relationship like with our our families and friends? And you know, why do we believe that? So it's a lot of it's a lot of how do you how do you know this thing? Why do you know that? And like, do you believe that, or is it like you know, is it true or is it not? Um, and going through, it's over. It's like 200 pages of just 
let's talk about this right now. <laughs> I, um, I really like as much as I, like you can see my face, the listeners cannot. I'm so excited for this because <laughs> I, I know first and foremost, I have a ton of blind spots and I'm excited to see what type of questions are inside but also because I know how deeply reflective I am as a person to begin with. And I know that not everyone comes self-equipped with like that constant question asking and that constant like, how does this impact me? How does this impact them? And just as I'm listening to you describe it, I said this whole podcast is really going to bring in a lot of dementia care stuff too, because I'm really starting to appreciate how much um, that role and being that person who dug for personhood and the lived experiences of others, um, that power of self-reflection, when you start asking those questions about yourself and you start to get to know yourself that way, the practice and the way you care for other people will shift monumentally because you start to put those questions automatically into your your assessments. Again, from a medical kind of perspective, but also then as that birth worker, that you start to appreciate all of those subtleties of where someone is coming from. And you just you evolve into a more empathetic person whether you want to or not like just from doing that work you your eyes start to get opened and oh i am so so pumped for this do you think um in terms of who obviously it's for birth workers but do you think that there are anyone in particular you you put this together for or if you're like if there's one person in your life that you know that really needs to do this is there is there a kind of that ideal person or for anyone i think it's it's great for anyone that works with anyone who has um you know experienced reproduction in any capacity because i as I was going through this, like a lot of things are applicable for like childcare workers or, or people who are working with young families in general, because, um, you know, just how anybody experiences uh, something or how they, uh, interact with the world, you know, for example, I'll give you an example from, um, like my study, um, it was one mom, she had a really, really difficult birth. Um, and the nurse was like, I'm going to go give this mom a break and said, Hey, do you want me to take your baby to the nursery so you can take a nap? And her immediate thought was, Oh my God, I can't say, I can't say yes, because she's going to think that I'm incapable, that I'm a bad mom. Uh, you know, she's going to want to call CAS because I, I, I'm not capable of caring for my baby. Um, and that might, if you don't know the history in Canada with with CAS and taking black and indigenous children more frequently than anybody else, you might think that's totally irrational, but it actually is totally rational for a black woman to think that way. Um, and if she had, you know, gotten defensive, the nurse would be like, oh my God, this is just a difficult patient, right? Yeah. And not recognizing that connection. So it's not even always about you and what you are doing it's about the person that you're working with and what they are viewing your uh interaction as yeah and i think to that underpinning of just knowing that someone has done this work someone has started the work and started those deep like you said it's a deep dive for a reason because it's not something you can just do overnight it's not something that in one sitting you're going to become this you know wildly enlightened person and know everything but there's going to be pieces along the way that um you know that will jump out to you and i think the the other thing that i find really interesting around inclusive language as a whole so i too get fa like a lot of questions and a lot of like 
why don't you say like, you know, what mom, or again, I barely, certain words I stumble around now because it's just a birthing person or a birthing peep or whatever it is that I, a pregnant person. But beyond that, I have found um, the discussions you've led about ableism um, and is it ableistic language um, around, um, I know certain terms that I have used, such as crazy is something like to describe a, an experience is something I now am working hard on catching myself with when it comes to language. And you realize how deeply ingrained some of these things are as an unknown to you or habits that you don't appreciate how they could impact someone else. Um, even I'm someone who lives with a bipolar diagnosis and I can tell you I know that that term or manic um, used in a derogatory way was triggering for me but I didn't have the deeper understanding of all of the other words that could again trigger other people or just be insensitive um, even the lens I read books through now or especially business books because a lot of um, business growth or marketing books are written by old white men and you're like whoa okay useful little tidbit here I've got a little shed I like what you're describing however like all of the other reasons this is really really awful or really not helpful um, is, is alarming. But again, you don't pick up on that if you haven't been introduced to the fact that it's a problem. And again, there's 10 chapters. There's 10 different areas of, and we're just, again, touching on language alone and two very teeny tiny, majorly impactful, but only two pieces of that language and vocabulary um, parts. And I, I love that there is something for for people to start with um, as well, that this does not feel like a daunting project. It does not feel like another course that you are going to sign up for and either never finish or, you know, uh, forget that you signed up and missed the live one and then never watch the recording of or something that, again, I have a list, a laundry list of different programs and courses that I want to take, but I know that the level of commitment that I want to show up to them with is not what I have. But you're like, I'm still here and I still need to do something to move forward. And I think this is a really, like I said, as I see birth workers being a bridge to consumers and care, I think this journal is going to be a bridge for those birth workers to bigger things, bigger learning. Um, we're gonna radicalize them all in one way, shape or form. Um, again, we, we've talked about in a perfect world, everyone could pick the care provider that they want. They would have a care provider that would meet their needs again as a whole person. That would mean they would feel safe with them. We would have more black and indigenous traditional midwives. So not midwives necessarily educated through the system, but midwives that are educated in their communities with traditional knowledge, but also having more people just across the board educated to provide better care. Because we do know 90%-ish of births here in Canada occur in hospital. So we can have, you know, all of, all of the hopes and dreams and all of the promises and wishes for out of hospital experiences, but we need to make hospital births safer. And we, it's going to take all of us to do that. And it starts with asking good questions and asking questions of ourselves, because then you're going to be confident enough and bold enough to ask those questions in the birth space. You're going to be able to be that person, be that trusted support who can advocate the hell out of the situation and help literally protect people. And I think, again, this is something we all have responsibility in. And I am so grateful, 
so grateful that you have taken this undertaking on, that you've developed this, um, that again, you're pregnant, you're, you're making a human while you're making this. And I really, really am excited to see where it goes. And I encourage anyone listening to um, definitely go get your copy. Um, I know, again, I'll let you, Cheyenne, describe the options available, but I think again, it's brilliant that you're offering that easy, easily accessible digital version, but also speaking to the you know, that nerdy heart of mine that needs a hard copy if I'm going to be doing something so deep as this. Hey, I'm so sorry to interrupt this incredible episode of While Doing Laundry, but I have an important announcement for those of you who are pregnant. I have developed the very first Care Expectations download just for you document that helps you communicate clearly with your care providers and letting them know exactly what you are okay and not okay with when it comes to your birth. This care expectation document is not a birth plan. Instead, it's the secret sauce that gets your birth plan heard. So whether or not you're planning a home, hospital, or birth center birth, and whether or not this is your first or your fourth kid, this document is for you. And guess what? You get a bonus 30-minute one-on-one call with me. We'll go over your care expectations and figure out exactly how you want to be treated in your birth. So what are you waiting for? Pause the episode, head to the show notes, grab that download, and come on back to hear the rest of this week's episode. So Cheyenne, this is obviously going to stir up a lot of emotions for people. Um, that's something I I know for certain. Um, and there's probably some people who are listening to this and thinking that, oh, like, I'm really interested. This is great. I want to get started, but also have no clue um, what they're going to start feeling. Can you walk us through uh, some some things that uh, listeners can can kind of wrap their heads around how they may feel working through this journal. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot a lot of things that I think people don't want to think about or they don't want to discuss. Um, so at the beginning of the of the workbook, I have sort of like a guideline for how to use it. Um, one of those guidelines is that you don't have to share your answers with anybody, but it's important to, you know, acknowledge that birth work is not in, in a solo thing. Um, so you should find a community. You should find somebody that you can connect with and share these things with. Um, and you might realize some things about yourself that you're like, Ooh, this is really, really uncomfortable. Um, and if that happens, you know, acknowledge where that's coming from and just try to push through a little bit more. Um, I think it's important that we name things that we're feeling. Um, you know, if we take racism, for example, uh, it is not your fault that you were never taught about racism in school. It's not your fault that you grew up in a neighborhood where, you know, nobody looks different than you. Um, you know, it's not, that's not your fault. Uh, if you hold um, stereotypes or bias towards a certain group of people, um, but it is now your responsibility to address those things and to change them. Um, so there's a whole part about uh, stereotypes where I actually ask you to write down on paper, these are the negative stereotypes that I believe or I've thought of or I hold um, and you know address where did that come from uh, and and why and I think I think it's more important that we say oh shoot I do think you know when I see a black man on the street I do cross the road and then think about okay but why do I do that you know is it because when your parents watched the nightly news it was the news saying a black man did this and this and this, and then nobody, you know, talked about the good things or celebrated black men ever. And now you 
you cross the street. Um, so it's important to, to write down, this is what I believe, investigate why you believe that and evaluate, like, is that even true? Should I, you know, should I be holding this belief? Um, and then deal with it. And I think that's much better than just saying, oh, no, I'm not dealing with that and sort of, you know, ostrich yourself in the sand. I think that's a phenomenal example too. And um, I know in again, 2020, however we want to really name that year, um, I know for me personally, there were a lot of people in my life, be it personal life, um, entrepreneurial life, my professional life, that turned to me for answers and guidance about how not to be racist um, when it came to everything that came to light in Black Lives Matter. And I felt like utterly unprepared to support any of those questions. Uh, number one was like, I'm still learning big time. And that experience really highlighted how much I had to learn still. And uh, again, those, those stereotypes, um, this particular experience, like it terrified me. And it was working through, why was I with my spouse? Was I with my spouse because of racism? Did I pick him because it would upset my family? Did I rebel against things? Did I have a fetish? And it was not about love when all of those, you know, inside of me, I was like, yes, I, I love him. And this is what, but when you started to ask those questions, like you get really fucked up when you actually have to face those answers and really get to know where your choices and what drove those things. And it, it was really hard. But I knew for, not just for, again, myself and figuring this out and for the well-being of my marriage and the safety of my husband, but also for my kids. Because I wanted, again, talk about stereotyping. We have lots of negative stereotypes and there's a lot of other stereotypes too that I needed to, to figure out how to protect them from and guide them through life. And... Um, I think that idea again of you're going to get really messy answers and if you're being honest with yourself and if you are a cis white woman in south you know south ontario which again there lots of people listen to this all over the place and many people will get your this journal from across the country but in this very very unique little area of the world um you're going to have a lot to face and a lot to open your eyes up to um, if you want to to do a better job and coming full circle was that was the goal of this podcast originally I didn't really know where exactly it was going to take me I knew I didn't want to share birth stories but I wanted to share conversations like this the conversations that have helped me figure out how to be a better person and conversations then to send other people when they're like, okay, I, I have this spark that I know I need to do something, but I want to do it right. And I want to be supported. Like, just like in birth support, this type of support isn't the same. It's across the board. And if you are a cis white woman in Canada, do not consume your inclusion, diversity, anti-racist, um, really like gender, like any of those things, don't consume it from other white women. Like that's, that's the point blank period. That is not what you wanna do. And again, it's a really messy place. I am doing my darndest. <laughs> navigate it with some grace and pissing people off in the process um, but the content that is created by people who experience and live in those intersections those intersectionalities that that is how we're going to learn and talking about it and storytelling and like you said we we aren't doing this alone 
birth work is not something we do as a singular person ever. We're always working in tandem with, again, be it our client, be it a team, whatever it is, you're not alone. So you don't have to figure it out on your own either. Um, but I think if there's there's one takeaway for that I can share with people listening, as you are curious about starting on this journey, is do it, start it, go and buy Cheyenne's journal. You can get a digital copy, if my understanding, and you've got some physical hard ones. I'll let her share like all of those those good details in a second, but take the chance and just start it and see where it takes you. Um, because I can honestly say when I started in birth work and what I thought I was gonna do five, six years ago or more, um, certainly not where I am now. And if you don't get to know yourself, you don't, again, you, you're leaving a lot of other people out um, and you're, you're gonna potentially hurt people if you aren't preparing yourself properly. So I just wanted to say like a thank you from the bottom of my heart um, for putting this together. Um, and that I really, really think that it's going to be the, a huge conversation starter. And I am happy to, to be here, not only a cheerleader, but however I can help um, get this out to more people, help facilitate these conversations. Because again, I, I know they need to happen and not just in birth work, by the way, like everywhere it needs to happen. I know I've had these conversations with dietitians. I've had these, like a lot of people are desperate to do better and there is no options um, for them, especially within their professional bodies. Again, above and beyond birth work, um, this stuff doesn't exist for nurses, for dietitians, for pelvic floor PT, all of those allied professionals who, again, like you said, have um, like child, uh, child workers and different things that have connections to people early in postpartum, the, there's nothing. Um, so I'm so pumped and please share with me how people can get it. Yeah. Um, before I share that, I was going to say, like, it is really, uh, it's really hard because you don't know what you don't know. And I'm going to acknowledge right now that I absolutely did not include every single identity or, or perception in this journal because it only extends to what I could have thought of and, and brought up, right? Um, I saw I saw a, a, a TikTok the other day about someone sharing a really good cleaning tip for cleaning mirrors. And she put um, paper towel on the end of the Swiffer so that she could clean the top of the mirror. And everyone's like, this fantastic idea. Um, and I was like, what? I, I'm six feet tall. I've never needed to support reaching the top of a mirror right so it's it's those little things i grew up in a household where everyone was tall enough to reach the top of the mirror i can reach the top of the mirror it never occurred to me that other people might need something to do that right so it's not always you know when we're talking about privilege about you know something wild and huge like sometimes it is as small as how you do daily tasks um so just as an example that you know we all ex have different uh a lens and that's based on our own lives um so even if you are googling uh something like you can't look up what you don't know to look up if you don't have the word for it you can't find it Exactly. And that I think it's interesting as well that um, that connection to that type of birth prep and the baby planning aspect, sorry, baby, the birth prep through baby planner aspect and the same type of approach again, I use in helping people prepare for their birth experience is you, you want to be a fire hose. Like you're, you're just like, I have all of this info and you're going to need it all. But the thing is, they can only grasp so much. And if they don't know what they don't know and you have everything, you have to be strategic and you have to be, you know, really thoughtful about how you present that because you want people to to continue to consume it and not 
be overwhelmed, which again, as we talked about those feelings, they're going to be there. But the fact is, I think it's really again important to know that that, that very unique lens on everything, which again, some people aren't even aware of yet. Like that's where, where they're at, that they don't even know that that impacts them um, versus the people who, again, um, I, the way I, I don't, um, I'm not a big Rachel Hollis fan. Like I haven't been, haven't been from day one, like I read one book and I was like, ugh. but I had already done a lot of work before. That wasn't my introduction to, you know, self-help for moms or, you know, that mindset or there's something more. And I had realized like, oh, okay, I get where this could be the starting point for some people, but it's, it's not, it's not for me anymore. And again, feeling that connection to like, I want to feel enlightened. I want to feel challenged. I want to address that feeling that there is something more. And um, I think sometimes people are, we're really misguided that that something more is the mountaintop and is all of these goals and all of these things we're chasing. But really it's like, we know what is at the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and that self-actualization. And that is knowing ourselves. So all of those things underneath need to be in place, but we're always striving to know ourselves better. And, and this is how we start. Like you don't have to, to wait until all of those pieces are there because the, again, the more work you do than this and the better you get to know yourself, the more things that, again, there's a lot of hurt that you are going to be uh, exposed to. You're going to start seeing things that you never saw before. Um, but on the flip side of that, you also see a new light in people too. And you see a whole new, again, through a new lens, because it's a whole different world that you're exposed to. And, and I'm genuinely, um, I know I can think of a few people. I will certainly be ensuring that they hear this episode. I know people who, um, again, for a variety of reasons, there's we're all on our path, like our journey. And that is the great thing about self-reflection and journaling is you are never done. You got to keep going. And some of those questions you asked yourself today, six months from now, when you revisit them, you're going to have something else to, to know and to learn. And, um, that's, that's a hugely, like it's massively powerful, um, but not to mention the community that comes along with it. Because you're gonna get connected now to people who are also doing this work. People are going to now be connected to you, Cheyenne, and following the things that social media wise that you share, um, you know, your stories, there's always great, great discussion and great info inside of those. and. I said it, it sucks that the the virtual world is our only option kind of right now but at the same time it means we don't have to let geography be a barrier either and we can learn from each other and keep that conversation going so before i uh, say our goodbyes would you mind letting everyone know um, what form can they find this journal where can they find it and how much um how much is it yeah so it will be on my website um babyplanner.ca um if you sign up for the mailing list then you'll get a five dollar off coupon um so it comes in two formats the digital only or the physical book that comes with a copy of the digital um so the digital only will be 30 and the physical copy is 45 um and so you'll get the the digital download like immediately after purchasing you'll get an email right away um so i'm only doing pre-orders of the hard copies because as you mentioned, I am expecting and my capacity is limited. So I, um, I'm i just gonna do a big batch order and send them all out at the same time. So if you'd like a physical copy, we'd need to order between July 5th and July 23rd. Um, so the digital copy you can fill in using like Adobe and type in it, or you can, um, if you have an iPad with an Apple pencil or any other tablet, you can like write in it that That's way awesome. digitally too. 
that is fantastic yes i may i love hard copy things personally like it just makes it feel like so special on the flip side we've moved a lot and i really like as i'm lugging like binders of printed things I'm like why do i do this to myself i will be getting a physical copy for sure <laughs> um the there is one other point oh that i wanted to make um what is after this like do you have ideas what um what's what's coming next because again this is just the tip of the iceberg and this is really why i i invited you on is to find out what where do we go from here yeah so this workbook even though it is a deep dive i feel like we could go deeper um so maybe there will be a deeper dive <laughs> coming next um I'd really love to modify this so that it is applicable for parents, actually, because I feel like there's a lot of similarities in care work of other adults and then care work as a parent for your children. Um, so I'll probably adapt it to be for parents as well. Um, and this workbook is not educational from me. Like I, there is a bit of a glossary that has some points and everything, but I don't say like, this is the history of racism in Canada. And this is why you should know this. It's sort of like, what do you know? Why do you know that? Um, you know, do you think that you need to learn more about it? But I don't actually plant anything for you. It's really just an evaluation of what you know, um, what you would like to know. So I would love to host a workshop that goes a little bit deeper into, you know, why am I asking this question? Why am I probing this way? And like, what do I see um, that is missing? And like, why did I ask you that question? Um, so yeah, I would love to host a workshop um, in the summer sometime for people to come together and, and share some of their reflections and stuff like that too. That sounds awesome. Keep me posted. Cause yes, I just, as I'm, I'm hearing the, what's included and how it's laid out. I think that again, it's just the tip of the iceberg because as we said, there's so many people who will benefit from doing this work, but also all of the people that are going to benefit from having caregivers, care providers, support people, get whatever label they carry. Um, the people at the end of the day who are going to benefit are the the pregnant people, those new families that, um, again, as I know in the birth trauma and birth processing work that I do is very rarely does it boil down to, you know, the task or the thing that happened to them and what it was, again, like your, your research has supported is how they were treated were they treated in a dignified way that left them feeling like a capable human being? And usually, again, there's some really, again, we know there's catastrophic events. We know there are some very specific uh, traumatic things that can happen um, that cause other emotions. But when we really sift down to the bottom of it, people want to be cared for in a genuine way that, again, meets their needs as an entire person and i don't think it's too much to ask for ever that should be basic basic fundamental care and as a, a caregiver in those roles be again birth worker healthcare provider if you cannot show up that way and give that type of care to every single person you come in contact with you need to do the work you need to do that. You need, and start with Cheyenne's journal, but do it and get to know yourself because we, we know this happens across the lifespan and we know that it happens again from the day you were born to the day that you die. And there's a lot of points in between that we can be doing better. So I, again, thank you so much Cheyenne for joining me and thank you for sharing your work and I will, I have a feeling that you'll be you'll be on again. We might be talking with a, a teeny tiny baby on your lap who know or a, a big baby who knows. Which um, I always forget again in conversation that um, you are as tall as you are because I'm five foot two. So like I'm the person who like climbs into the the freezer at the grocery store, um, you know that kind of stuff. So yeah, I. I, I can appreciate again that different lens from literally a very 
to two different viewpoints. So thank you so much and all the best with the launch. And uh, I'm super excited to see where it goes. So thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate that this space to talk about this and yeah, thank you. Have a great day, everyone, and make sure that you go and check out the show notes for all of those links uh, to get to know Cheyenne better, to find a copy of the journal for yourself, or just to follow along on the conversation over on Instagram. So I will catch you next week. Thanks for listening to While Doing Laundry. I hope you're feeling enlightened and your own pile of clothing is a little bit smaller. If you love what you heard, it would mean so much to me if you hit subscribe and left a quick rating and review so more people just like you can explore parenthood while doing laundry.